Chicago rolls back some reopening rules amid a COVID-19 rise with impacts on bars, restaurants, gyms, and indoor gatherings. And the federal probe into Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan appears to be expanding into a bigger and significant slice of the city's corporate life. Be aware, be aware of the new development. I filed this. It's not up yet. That's exactly my next question. What kind of timeline are we looking at here at this point? Well, federal prosecutors uh, move. Uh, they make snails look fast. I'll talk with Crane's political columnist Greg Hines about the latest. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist. It's Monday, July 20th. Your health and well-being are top of mind right now, and that includes your financial security. Wintrust Mortgage can help. They provide refinance solutions so you can take advantage of low rates to reduce payments, and they have the sophisticated technology to let you go through the process conveniently from home. Uncertainty can add stress to an already tense time. Rely on Wintrust Mortgage. Visit wintrustmortgage.com/refi. Wintrust Mortgage is a division of Barrington Bank and Trust Company, NA, NMLS number 4 Equal housing lender. We're joined now by Crane's political columnist Greg Hines here to talk about the latest with Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan as a federal probe appears to be moving into a bigger and pretty significant role in the city. So Greg, there is a lot going on here and I feel like the cards sort of started to fall pretty quickly late last week. So so lay out, if you would, the, the scope for us of what exactly is going on. Federal prosecutors and lots of people have been after Mike Madigan forever. Uh, I mean, he's the longest-serving head of the legislative chamber in American history. Uh, he's been speaker longer than anybody in any house ever. Uh, and, you know, you do something like that, and you attract enemies at times. Um, he, he's a very old-fashioned politician. He's a, he believes in patronage and things like that. Um, and so a lot of people have been trying to get him forever. And they haven't gotten anywhere because he seems to know right where the, where the line is. He'll you know, dance right up to it and poke his nose over it, but that's it. But now that may have changed. Um, uh, for the first time on Friday, uh, uh, Mr. Madden was personally implicated in a major federal case, specifically Commonwealth Edison Company uh, and the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, reached and announced a deferred prosecution and agreement under which they're going to pay a $200 million fine, and they admitted that they had, at the request of people in Springfield, paid political favors, jobs, contracts, money, uh, hired law firms, put people on board, stuff like that, uh, to try to get approval of their legislative agenda, including a rate hike uh, on the, the bills that we all pay every month. And they specifically mentioned it without naming him, but there's no question who it was, the Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives, gee, I wonder who that is, and some top uh, lieutenants and associates of Mr. Madigan, uh, like Mike McLean, a former uh, lobbyist for, for Commonwealth Edison, who was uh, the, the majority leader uh, earlier in Mr. Madigan's tenure. That's new. It's different. We've never had that kind of culpability. And though Mr. Mannequin released a statement promptly saying he didn't do anything, I uh, would never countenance illegalities like that. It's clear the feds are trying to reel them in. And then Friday at an unrelated press conference, Pritzker had some comments, but what has reaction been like in the community of lawmakers? Some of it is predictable. I mean, the Republicans say, aha, we finally got you and threw out the crooks and elect us uh, in the fall and don't vote for Pritzker's uh, uh, graduate income tax because the Democrats like Madigan will just spend it. Other people, uh, some good government types have, uh, have said that this looks pretty bad. What everybody's 
kind of watching though is what happens within Mr. Madigan's caucus. I mean, you don't get you don't run for speaker statewide. You run within uh, within the, the membership of the House of Representatives, which every two years after the after the general elections gets together and elect a speaker. And if they fall away from him, he's got a real problem politically. Even if he's, even if he's legally hasn't been found charged or found guilty of anything, so everybody's looking at that. And in that regard. 12 members of the Progressive Caucus in the House today uh, released a statement publicly saying, hey, at least this looks terrible. If these allegations are true, he must go. Now, there's a big if there. Uh, the if is what the federal prosecutors can prove or can't prove. But Mr. Madigan has been the all-powerful head of the Illinois House. Nobody says anything negative about him on his side of the aisle ever. And if you do, you lose your job in the next election. For 12 members to go public with something like this is really unprecedented. And it tells you, I think, that he's really in in some hot water. He's in, he's in a, a political fight that I'm not predicting he's going to lose. I've never bet against Mr. Madigan. But he's in the toughest fight of his career, in my opinion, right now. And then enter AT&T, Walgreens, Rush University Medical Center, all these other known companies locally. How does that figure into all of this? In uh, saying he hadn't done anything wrong Friday, the speaker released a statement admitting that his office has been subpoenaed for a variety of other records, and including and, uh, copies of the subpoena indicate that they, they wanted records regarding uh, communications and uh, political favors and whatever involving several other big companies, including Walgreens, AT&T, uh, Rush University Medical Center, whatever. Uh, that strongly suggests that the feds think that there's a wider pattern here and they're trying to get something else to embellish their case. Now, the real question is, does that mean they don't have a case now and they can't indict Mr. Madigan? There's certainly a strong argument that if they had had it, they would have announced, they would have announced Friday that he was indicted along with Conwell's Edison. Uh, there's another theory out there that, that, that they've got a lot, but like federal prosecutors always, they want to have everything. They want more and more and more. Don't know what the case is. We're going to find out. But I guarantee you, everybody in state and who cares about government is going to be watching this very closely for in months to come. That's exactly my next question. What kind of timeline are we looking at here at this point? Well, federal prosecutors move. Uh, they make snails look fast. They move at their own rate. Uh, they'll do what they want to do when they want to do it. Even the uh, Justice Department that, uh, that in the end reports to Donald Trump. That if they don't have it, they're not going to do anything. Something could happen this fall. Uh, I'd watch to see whether we learn more about AT&T and, uh, and Rush and Walgreens and whether some information on what the feds are looking at there comes out. I'd look to see if more comes out about Jay Doherty, who's one of the other people mentioned the subpoena. The Deferred Prosecution Agreement said that somebody who was unnamed uh, but who ran a big consulting company, which Mr. Doherty did, played an intermediary. He'd, he had got a lot of money and uh, hired a bunch of of Madigan Associates at the, uh, at, for no work, no work jobs, that this was a way to wash the money effectively so it didn't have to be reported. I'd like to see if something else comes out there. If Mr. Doherty were to, were to flip and start to, uh, talking, that, that could be pretty interesting. The next really uh, important thing to watch is, does any of this make any difference at the, at the polls this election? Uh, in November, do any more Republicans win the uh, legislatively? Um, we'll see if that happens. I have my doubts, but uh, you know, we'll find out. Uh, then comes 
probably the more important election, which is within Madigan's caucus, which sometime in the, oh, late November or December we'll get to get together and assuming they retain the majority of the Illinois House of Representatives, they'll decide whether they want to keep in the speaker or not. It sounds like you're in high demand. Lots of people are looking for you. I hear your phone ringing off the hook, so I'll let you run. Uh, but thanks so much for taking the time to talk this through today, Greg. I'm sure we will be turning to you for the latest as this continues to unfold. Thanks, Greg. Oh, Amy, this is a, this is this is a, this is high drama in Illinois. It doesn't get it doesn't get any better in politics than this. Coming up, the city is mere weeks away from picking three companies to participate in its second and bigger electric scooter pilot program. But it's kind of a tricky time to pick a city scooter partner as the still relatively new industry struggles with losses, layoffs, and consolidation. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Chicago Comes Back provides resilient leadership insights to help your business move forward from the pandemic. Delivered on Thursdays, this free e-newsletter features up-to-date information and guidance for Chicago's businesses. Sign up at chicagobusiness.com slash Chicago Comes Back. City officials have announced that Chicago is tightening restrictions on bars, restaurants, gyms, and personal services starting this Friday in response to a recent increase in community cases of COVID-19. The restrictions take effect at 12.01 a.m. on Friday, and bars without a food license will not be allowed to serve alcohol indoors. Bars that don't serve food will still be able to provide outdoor service, and restaurants will still be allowed to stay open, but maximum party size and table occupancy will be reduced to six people. At gyms, indoor fitness class size will be reduced to a maximum of 10 people. Salon and personal services that require the removal of face coverings, for example, facials and face shaves, will again be banned. Further, residential property managers will be asked to limit guest entry to five people per unit to avoid indoor gatherings and parties. The city noted in a statement that as the Chicago Department of Public Health recently announced, the city is back in a high incident state under CDC guidelines after topping 200 cases per day on a seven-day rolling average. As of this past Sunday, that number was 233. And that increase has been driven in part by rising cases among young people 18 to 29, as the city has seen an uptick in social activity and interaction in bars, restaurants, parks, and the lakefront. Right now, our priority is keeping the numbers of new cases as low as possible, especially among our young people. Chicago has also seen an increase in the percentage of people tested who are positive for COVID-19 after weeks of decline. Chicago Department of Public Health Commissioner Dr. Allison Arwady said in a statement, quote, no one relishes making this move, but it's the right thing to do as we work to prevent a resurgence of COVID-19, similar to what we're seeing in many states around the country. Global airline passenger demand won't recover to pre-pandemic levels until the end of 2023, and only then if effective vaccines and medicines are available. That, according to Moody's Investor Service. Moody's analysts wrote in a report that the recovery for airlines and airports will be largely aligned, followed by aircraft lessors as carriers return fleets to service. And manufacturers, such as Boeing and Airbus, will be the last in the direct aviation industry to regain their 2019 footing. 
As we've talked about here on the podcast before, demand dropped by more than 90% within weeks of the onset of the pandemic, a slump that impacted a broad swath of the global economy, given that passenger airlines supported about 3% of world GDP in 2019, according to the report. The development of a vaccine will be key in determining the industry's recovery, both fundamentally and financially, while the report also says more government support will probably be needed to make sure that airlines survive. The report also indicated there could be changes to long-haul travel, with some carriers expanding point-to-point operations and others reverting to -to hub-to-hub flying, relying on code share or joint venture partners in order to complete trips. A River North marijuana shop that opened early last week shut down on Friday after the city ordered it to stop work because it hadn't obtained the proper permits. Mocha, also known as Modern Cannabis, opened a retail marijuana shop at 216 West Ohio last Wednesday. The city issued a stop work order the following day. The CEO of the company behind the shop said they'd had a few minor issues related to building permits to sort out and that they expect to reopen shortly. He said the confusion was primarily based on the shop not doing any construction but only cosmetic work, and therefore there was a misunderstanding about how to treat that change of use. He added that he expects the issue to be resolved quickly and for the store to reopen early this week. The shop, which received one of the first two licenses downtown, was controversial from the start, though. It received approval in March from the Zoning Board of Appeals, despite opposition from Alderman Brendan Riley, as well as the River North Residents Association. The state did then issue a license, even though it's within 1,500 feet of another dispensary, which under state law is not a thing you can do. The city's zoning board's approval was conditioned on MOCA making changes to its plan, including a patio. The city's Department of Buildings said in a statement that the stop work order will be lifted once the company complies with the cannabis dispensary requirements that are outlined in the Municipal Code of Chicago. And the special use issued by the Zoning Board of Appeals obtains the proper permits and pays the associated fines. The city of Chicago is weeks away from choosing three companies to participate in its second and bigger pilot program to help officials decide whether to welcome electric scooters to the city permanently. But the choice is happening amid upheaval in the scooter business. Ongoing losses have forced one scooter company into bankruptcy while triggering layoffs and consolidation across the sector, including a deal that swept thousands of scooters off sidewalks without very much warning. And it doesn't seem like that will change anytime soon, as VCs that have been funding scooter startups have pumped the brakes a bit for an industry without a single profitable player. So the shrinking field leaves only a few companies with the capacity to each drop roughly 3,000 scooters on Chicago streets in a matter of just a few weeks. And if a buyer snaps up the city's choice, Chicago could wind up in business with a company that it rejected in the initial selection process. And so that's a whole thing. In any case, the city will announce three picks in early August. And that leaves only a few months of good weather to track demand and to decide if scooters are a safe addition to city streets as well as a viable alternative in neighborhoods that lack public transit options. To buffer against that a bit, the Chicago Department of Transportation Assistant Commissioner told trade publication Cities Today that Chicago thought about requiring applicants to prove that they'd still be around in two years. But given the COVID upheaval, they lowered expectations to something more along the lines of whether or not the company would be around in order to complete the pilot. In a statement, the city says it still hasn't decided if scooters even make sense as a permanent part of Chicago 
Chicago's transportation system. But for now, despite the economic uncertainty brought on by the COVID pandemic, companies have indicated strong interest in participating in the second pilot. Likely bidders include companies Bird, Lime, Spin, and Wheels. And while COVID might have spooked VCs, it's also upended transportation. That means that cities are looking for safe ways for residents to get around, just as scooter companies are more desperate than ever for revenues. A senior research analyst for Micromobility at Guidehouse Insights said that cities know they need to provide other options, quote, when people are very fearful of using public transit, continuing by saying he believes that's shifted the landscape in favor of micromobility companies. Scooter company officials say that Chicago is the brass ring right now, and it's not only expanded the boundaries of where scooters can go in the pilot, but it's also let companies boost their fleets from just 250 scooters to more than 3,000, opening up more customers and longer trips. Find more detail on this story and about the companies who are likely bidders for the citywide pilot at chicagobusiness.com. And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks to our guest today, Greg Hines. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.